2: With jiu-jitsu available to rent and buy in the UK now, I thought it's best to let you know whether this is a film to fill your Christmas stocking with, or if you did receive it, you must have been on St. Nick Cage's naughty list. To discuss this alien martial arts movie, I'm joined by film critic James Rodriguez. How are you,
3: James? Hi, Petros. I'm doing quite well, actually. Um, Could have been worse, but what what can you do? How are you doing? I'm doing
2: very well. Are you are you um are you ready for Christmas? Are you are you all sorted? Are your ducks in a row?
3: Yeah, I've ordered all the presents I need to. It's I don't haven't wrapped anything, but it's a small thing. At least I'm not waiting on anything to come through.
2: Perfect. So I w- I would ask now would this be in your on your Christmas gift list? But let's save that For uh, later on in the conversation. And as I do on every podcast, uh, are you a Nick Cage fan? That's probably something to get off the bat straight away.
3: I wasn't initially. I mean, I've been aware of him for loads of years. I've been happy to watch earlier works of his, but I will admit I just grimaced at him and his director video fair, and I saw him as a bit of a meme. But I'd say that changed... Last year when I saw Mandy and just the way he goes from subdued and content in a lovely relationship to that heartbreaking moment in the bathroom and the way he just turns into full-on cage rage it's it was like the perfect seeing perfectly what makes him a good actor in these various forms in all these various different films he's been doing across his life and I've tried a lot more of his stuff since I mean Colour Out of Space, Wild at Heart. I'm seeing a lot of different sides to him. And I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't say I'm at the level where I'd say he's one of my favourites. I haven't seen like Leaving Las Vegas or The Rock or mm-hmm. Moonstruck yet. But I'd say he's getting there. He's certainly someone who has me interested in whatever role he takes on. I'm just not ready to watch like The Wicker Man yet, though.
2: <laughs> well that's only for the completists like uh me who kind of delve into that territory it's, it's got it's got its merits it's got its merits as a remake it's got its merits as a, as its own film and it's it's interesting you bring up the point of like the kind of meme that Cage became that was very much like my impetus for starting this podcast was that whole thing of ah oh, he's funny isn't he Nick Cage like let's have a kind of it's almost laugh at nick cage like he's really crazy like let's let that that would be hours of enjoyment and it's that thing like it's a similar journey to what you said it's like as you go through you start to realize like oh he's actually as you like peel away the layers like he's doing some really interesting things and it's and it is that thing like a mandy comes along and it's like yeah i don't know you can slightly forgive him for his past sins of these, like straight to DVD fare, and it's like, mm. and I guess it's something we'll get into when talking about this. Is something regular listeners to the podcast probably be fed up of me saying this, but he very much can elevate something that is somewhat not so good in his mm. performances, and I, I, I personally feel like. He, like, when, not not every time, but he definitely delivers interesting stuff in not-so-good films. And the only time he's really, like, a bad Nick Cage film for me is a boring Nick Cage film. Like, and if he's boring, it's a, like a, a phrase I tend to use is, like, he turns up, but he doesn't show up. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't like. There's no <laughs> razzle dazzle to his performance, or he's not trying anything new or interesting. Like I don't know if man, like he could be in another like a straight to DVD movie, and then there might be a something similar to that Mandy bathroom scene, and you'll be like, "Wow, wee like that film's almost like worth the the two pounds you paid for it in an Asda bargain bin just for that scene." as as opposed to like, but like the rest of it is absolute trash. Um, So yeah, what like, what is it that like kind of, since kind of delving deeper, what is it that fascinates you about like Cage and like what stuff, like where do you see yourself like looking next? Is there certain films that jump out to you? Like I really want to, like you obviously mentioned Moonstruck and leaving Las Vegas. Is there like, is there, is there other blind spots that you're like, ah, oh, like, that are in the yeah the zeitgeist. You're like, well, I definitely need to
3: see that one. Um, I think it a lot of it is his more acclaimed stuff and his more well-known stuff. I've like the ones I've mentioned, the Moonstrucks the Leaving Las Vegas. They're very ones which I want, which have been I've overlooked and which I want to check out. But at the same time as I want to see his really acclaimed stuff, I'm kind of fascinated by the stuff which isn't so acclaimed like as much as I would like to stick on adaptation I'm morbidly curious about seeing him in a left behind or Bangkok dangerous or a next it's it's yeah. a strange mix and I I'm a part of me wants to see what he brings to the role because I watched this I think it was variety he did a video recounting his past roles and going over each individual one. I think this was at the time Mandy was released. Mm-hmm. So quite a few to get through. Um, obviously not every single one, like all of his bargain bin stuff. <laughs> but he said something interesting about Vampire's Kiss, about how his performance, which is was a big meme during my teenage years. I remember seeing that on 9GAG. And I remember Nick Cage saying how how that role was inspired and his weird ticks was inspired by German expressionist cinema,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and it's it's just that film isn't. I don't know if it's any good or not. I know it's not the best reception, but it, at the same time, I'm kind of curious to see what kind of weird ticks he, what unique choices he makes in these in these lesser known bargain bin roles, as much as the. Big budget awards friendly roles, which have come and gone over the years. Yeah, well, like
2: to coin a phrase that um, Brad Hansen from the Evolution of Horror podcast always like, or I always quote this because I always find it fantastic. And uh, I'm a massive vampire's kiss apologist or, or mm. fan. I think I think it's really great. And yeah, Brad Hansen said in his letterbox review that Peter Lowe crawled. So Patrick Bateman could walk, and it is a perfect precursor to American Psycho, and I feel like it's kind of got lost in the time of its creation because it's a film that looks at ninety uh, like eight nineteen eighties excess culture and kind of uh, yuppie culture, but it's made at the time, whereas like American Psycho has a retrospective hindsight look on it that people find charming and like, like biting. Cause they're like, Oh, wasn't the 80s. So like, so excessive and weren't they arseholes? Whereas at the time people like the wounds were probably still too fresh for them to go like, Oh no, we can't laugh at ourselves now. And like you said, yeah, Cage's performance in that is, and he, he cites like, I think it's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari as like, one of his like biggest influences in in film, and it's, it's the performance he gives in that is uh, it's one yeah like if you can get if you can get a hold of a copy like I recently looked online because I, I managed to pick up a DVD a few years ago, and it got, they now go for something ridiculous like thirty pound on eBay and stuff like that, and I'm like Jesus wow yeah wow we, <laughs> um so we've established yeah you are somewhat nick cage curious like leaning towards a fan uh what what was the first nick cage film you remember seeing
3: now i think i struggled with an answer for this because you're asked i was having to think back to uh to because i there used to be a lot of times before my family had something resembling a video collection before netflix was ever a thing where my family and I would spend the evenings just going through the TV, seeing what films are on, on the four or five channels, playing like cinematic Russian roulette to see what to watch (laughs) that night. And there's been quite a few different things like Austin Powers, Terminator 2, Jaws, Stargate at one point, and a lot of different things. So I think it was either Face Off or Con Air, which was my first cinematic introduction to cage which is interesting that either way it was him in action mode but part of me thinks it was just cage going put the bunny back in the box which i imprinted itself on me but then i think <laughs> about Cage cages going i want his face off," oh. and i just don't know which of which or which it was but i've narrowed it down to them two
2: well that's a that's a solid and and it totally makes sense as well they came out within months of each other like uh in the cinema then i i would guess on home release as well and they are very much a staple of like like nowadays they'll be like an itv4 staple like kind of your dad's favorite channel like just like oh yeah that's probably a con air and um what did you think when you saw, like, when you saw him? Did were you like? Was there a magnetism? Were you like, who is this guy? Or were you just like, well, it's, it's an action movie; it's, it's, <laughs> it's a bit of fun.
3: Um, there wasn't anything which particularly had me like, whoa, who is this yeah. guy? Because Nick Nicholas Cage was one of those actors who I'd see posters around, or I'd see in newspaper the name the name of movie stars like a John Travolta and Arnold Schwarzenegger, a Bruce Willis, Nick cage was among those. And I wouldn't say there was anything in particular, which drew me to him with those action roles. But at the time I didn't think of him as just an action guy. Cause I was aware of like a city of angels or just a, or a captain Corelli's mandolin. Whenever that came out, it's, I just thought him as just another one of those actors, not someone who was known for one thing. Yeah, that is something that's
2: like quite interesting about Cage. He's like, and I think it's like kind of gone throughout his career. And I guess it's that thing that we see even now with the straight to VOD and DVD stuff is that like he's always just kind of rolled a dice on what he's doing next. It's like throw a, throw a dart at the wall and see what, see, see what I land on. And I think the fact that the films aren't as successful or like higher budget as they they used to be is the fact that the kind of mid budget films have died a death, right? So you're you're not really gonna get like a aimed aimed for adults like I don't know. You're not you're not really gonna get a City of Angels. I don't think too much anymore. Or if you are, it's gonna be. Super saccharine and kind of in the the Nick Sparks mold of do you know what I mean? Like lots of twinkly piano on the trailer, and I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be someone sexy playing that. Do you know what I mean? It's gonna be it's gonna be one of these kind of
3: no. Known... Someone who looks like Dave made a Frankenstein of a sexy ripped man rather than a everyday guy like Nick Cage.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like Nick Cage is kind of uh, for all intents and purposes a, a weird looking guy like do you know what I mean? he's like not a traditionally mm. handsome man and he's like he's just interesting and, and that that kind of post action star cage is a really like a really interesting kind of mix of stuff around like yeah you've got like snake eyes uh city of angels and then you've got like uh, bringing out the dead that he made with scorsese and he's like he's he's worked with like some of cinema uh, arguably some of cinema's like greatest directors or what a lot of people would put, but he's kind of like, he seemed to be like the the in-between big film guy, if you know what I mean it's mm. like, instead of like, I don't know, yeah, you, he'll, he'll do a Ridley Scott film, but it's not like a bombastic here's a big Ridley Scott film, it's like, oh here's a Ridley Scott film about a couple of con men, or like yeah, he's not
3: doing... He's rarely a big blockbuster headliner. He's the guy you, a dependable kind of guy who's probably nice to work with. Let's be honest. And he's just someone you can help make a film in between your next big projects. It seems like.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think like a lot of the time those films, I think they deserve, but especially bringing out the dead is a film that kind of, I think deserves a lot more eyes on it because for one, it's the, it's the re-teaming up of Scorsese and, uh, Paul Schrader, like, I think since, uh, Taxi Driver, and it's, it's really, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting film about, um, a, like, uh, what are they, ambulance, yeah, yeah, like a guy who um, works, paramedic, for, paramedic, that's the one, fucking hell, you can tell, you, can tell <laughs> you I'm, getting, that. I'm getting in the Christmas mood, I've had a couple of drinks, guys, cut <laughs> me some slack,
3: uh. So, At this time, you need it. For what's going on? <laughs> let's be honest.
2: So, what is your favorite
3: Nicolas Cage film? See, I want—if we're talking about anything he's been in—I want to say Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, but he's in it so little that it almost feels like a cheat to me to say it. So, I'm gonna pivot and instead go for the Coen Brothers' *Raising Arizona*. Well, let's talk
2: slightly about *Spider-Man* into *Spider-Verse*. Like. Right?
3: What is it about, like, Cage's
2: performance in that that you particularly like? Because I'm one who thinks, despite the fact... I think, yeah, my guest David Trumbull on that episode said he's in the film for five and a half minutes. But really leaves a mark on that film, right?
3: Hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's one of those films where I think everyone has their own part to play, Mm -hmm. especially the web-slingers. And... With Cage's part, he's not asked to be like full on cage rage. Well, he's it, uh, yeah, he's not asked to be full on cage rage, but it isn't exactly like just him, level, subdued. It's a bit of in between where you can believe he's this noir Nazi punching hero who's fascinated by this simple idea of a Rubik's Cube, but he's also a very he's also a big hearted guy like when miles is trying to trying to argue with the that he should go on this final mission but peter b parker saying he's not ready him just waiting outside and listening to unfold the way he just says poor little guy it's feels very telling for how how he may he's this gruff um this gruff old school hero, but he's not one of those emotionally closed off feelings are for babies kind of heroes. He is, he's big hearted and he openly says, Oh, I, uh, I love you all when he, when he makes his exit and it's an emotional piece. And mm-hmm. in, in any other film, they will probably would have cast him as spider pig to be the more over the top kind of guy. But, I feel he strikes a great balance as Spider-Man what?
2: I think casting in uh, Spider-Man and Spider-Verse is some of the best casting we've ever seen in animation. Like everybody, every part they've got throughout that film is the perfect person for it. Even like, because I think with the casting of Nicolas Cage in that role, you have that thing that, they're very much playing upon the audience's expectations of that person. I think they did it the same with Jake Johnson as well. Is he kind of mm. he made a name for himself as being like the "quote unquote" guy next. Do you know what I mean like he did that whole run on um, you New go. Girl? Yeah, and it's like he is that he plays that schlub so well, and it's like Cage has this thing and his delivery in it that kind of like channeling like Humphrey Bogart or something. You can tell he's a guy who has this romance for old Hollywood and he very much like understands like if they say we want this a bit more like Jimmy Stewart. Or do you know what I mean we want it a bit more mm. old Hollywood? He would get that direction instantaneously. And it's like yeah, around that time there was that, that kind of great casting of him in that and
3: Superman. doing voice
2: doing voice what a Superman. Yeah, and he kind of mm. he can he can hit these, like, superhero characters and bring something... Into- and somebody who, like, I've, I don't think it's a secret, is a guy who is a massive comic book fan. So, like, you can imagine, like, they say, want you to play Spider-Man Noir? He's like, fucking, which era? Do you know what I mean? Like, which writer? Which writer do you want me mm-hmm. to live? Like, he, he seems like the guy who would know exactly... And, yeah, there is that element of... They're very much, I don't know. He doesn't freak out, but it's it's all better for for that element of it. Um, and yeah, so Raising Arizona, what is it about that film that you love?
3: Um, It's funny. I haven't seen it in about six years, but I remember just when I was randomly flicking through Netflix one night and I thought, oh, I've heard about this, so let's stick it on. And I was just blown away by it. It's so funny and so surreal in the best possible way, but it has such heart. I mean, Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter are so sweet together. You really believe in their beautiful blah, 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 um, tongues. You really believe in their beautiful relationship and they both sell it so well. And I remember later that same week I put I watched it again, but this time I showed it to my girlfriend, and which doesn't happen a lot me watching a film in that close proximity let alone showing it to my girlfriend that that soon after she wasn't as enamored with it uh, (laughs) but i still loved it i still had a good time watching it
2: well there's a yeah one of the things with um raising arizona is that like cartoon-esque energy that the film has like it's very much i think it's common knowledge that well people who do that digging is Nicolas Cage kind of drew upon like Tex Avery cartoons and like there's kind of nod to it with the Woody Woodpecker tattoo and stuff like that and it's like he's just got this great like over the top and like you said very sweet performance and his like interplay with Holly Hunter and and it's that thing as well like for all intents and purposes we shouldn't like this guy like he is oh, sorry, he's not a good guy <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, he is definitely not... Like, he's a a convicted criminal. The plot of the film is him, like, kidnapping a baby because they really want a baby. But it's like, there is something so endearing and charming about them. And I think something only, I don't know, like, Nicolas Cage, like, can do that. Like, as somebody who has spent all this time watching his films, and it's like... I haven't. I don't detest the guy in any way. It's like, I'm. If anything, I'm. I'm more and more charmed by him, and kind of. I'm a lot kinder to films that don't deserve be me being so kind to because he 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 he, he does have this he does have this charm to him.
3: That's it. It's the characters. He does bad things, but he's not doing them out of malice. He's doing it for big-hearted and reasons which he sees as right in his own mind he's got it a bit mixed up but he is genuinely trying to be the good guy and go about things the right what he sees as the right way
2: and like if you think about it like how young and that's something people don't tend to think about how young cage was at that time in his life so he would have been like early 20s and i like like yeah, he would have been like 23, like 24 when he made that film. And it's like, considering he made that, Moonstruck and Vampire's Kiss, like within like a year, because Vampire's Kiss took a few years to come out, it's like, it's like, it's fucking great. Like, do you know what I mean? That's like, that's a, mm. that, 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 like, especially those two films alone, like Moonstruck and raising Arizona is like people would be like happy to have those on their CV let alone all the other kind of great stuff he's done since that like it's like would be the top of people's CVs like those two alone yeah for some for an actor so young and i don't know you kind of i think people tend to forget that like he, he managed to get all that at that kind of youngish age
3: Hmm. yeah he At this point, he does feel like one of those actors who's been around forever. But Mm. that is because he got such a young start and he has, well, essentially, he has been in it forever as long as he's been an adult. It's essentially his life.
2: Well, let's be honest. With the family he's come from, it was like Mm. the moment he was conceived, it was like, well, you are going into the film industry. Just pick which avenue you are going into. It's like, your uncle is one of the biggest film directors of all times. It's like, you want to start in something? You can change your name, Nick, but still, he'll help you along the way. You want to be an actor, do a couple of films off your own back, but don't worry, Francis will cast you in a few films. It will be fine.
3: That is one of those weird weird things you keep that people keep forgetting he is related to one of the mo a director who's delivered so many wo- critically acclaimed and beloved films over the years well not just him i mean sophia coppola and jason jason schwartz jason schwartzman and so many other people who've given their lives to film and done so much within it 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 is quite well. It, it uh, I'm lost for words. I'm lost for words.
2: <laughs> well, there's a there's a fact <laughs> I've I've never been able to drop on the podcast,
3: and I feel I feel like it's
2: a, just to kind of show people how kind of the, the web of the Coppola family goes. Is uh, it's John Schwartzman who is Jason Schwartzman's step brother. Say Jason Swartzman's stepbrother yeah. is the D.O.P. on The Rock making him Nicolas Cage's step-cousin <laughs> and it's like even stuff like that, you get all these weird connections and like, I've recently been doing a lot of digging into the Coppola family and it's like, they're one of the only families ever I think it's them and the houston family so angelica houston her dad and her grandfather mm. is only ever like thing to for three generations to have won an academy award because uh, carmine coppola won an academy award for his score for godfather part two francis ford coppola i think has got a few under his belt and sophia coppola has got a academy award for Lost in Translation, I think. I think it's either best original screenplay. That sound about right. Yeah. So and it's like and and obviously Nick Cage as well. Kind of like within mm. do you know what I mean? Within one generation of that family, two cousins. It's like, imagine what
3: Christmas would be like at the Coppolas. They'd probably have their own part of the house reserved for Oscar winners.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, do you know what I mean like just having a like? It's it's Francis and uh, Sophia and Nick just having a chat, and Roman comes over and be like, "Come on, Roman, you were nominated, but you, you didn't win. Come on, buddy. This is just a, this is just the winner's circle over here for a minute.
3: Bear up next year, Jason.
2: <laughs> Amazing. So let's talk about jujitsu.
0: You know what I don't understand? How the hell are
1: you still alive? Must have been a pretty bad fall. The comet you see in the sky right now passes over the Earth every six years and causes a portal. But when it's open, we get a visitor from a distant galaxy. A poet warrior in the sci-fi sense the spaceman and he comes here looking for a fight with you the chosen jiu-jitsu if he doesn't get it he stays and he kills everything
3: that is
1: alien politics 5 through 15 now you are all the chosen jiu-jitsu fighters But as long as you die bravely, no one else will have to. He's crazy. Like me. There's no honour in killing crazy. I can fly too.
2: What is the kind
3: of brief synopsis for jiu Well, I'll give it a try. <clears throat> Every six years, an alien invader known as the Brax returns to Earth. to fight the best warriors humanity has to offer from special ops soldiers to martial arts experts, the future of humanity hangs in the balance Uh, well
2: well, that is pretty much the whole film, like let's let's be honest, obviously we are not going deep into spoilers here but what is your opinion yeah, run us down your opinion of this film James
3: Okay, well, I like it. M- many people online. I saw this trailer. I saw that there's a film about Nicolas Cage fighting aliens, and I thought, Jesus, I need to see that. And I got into this film. we expecting to have a good time. It. I mean, the. I'm not the first person to make this comparison, but it pretty much is Predator meets Mortal Kombat. And Nicholas Cage and some martial arts experts fighting, um, fighting a more cost-friendly predator is an interesting idea. But if I, for me it it what didn't reach what I wanted it to, I thought it had high high potential. But for me, the execution missed the mark, unfortunately.
2: Well, it's that thing. It's like the budget of this as well i i I did a little bit of reading and the budget of this Mm. is 25 million and for what you see on screen that that's what's that's what's listed on uh wikipedia so that could that could be wrong but my only like logic of why it was that much is the talent you have on screen because i guess in their own rights like tony jar um Juju Chang, Frank Grillo, I imagine like cage himself
3: have have
2: heavy paychecks possibly that they kind of demand
3: in their contracts but you never know they could have had really good catering.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and I I know this film as well like it's filmed entirely in, in Cyprus and they kind of use some some tax loopholes and stuff like that they kind of got some ah. like, yeah, yeah. so the director, uh, Dimitri uh, um is a Greek uh, like myself and like has got this interesting career of kind of, he's reinvigorated or at least kind of dragged the kickboxer franchise like made famous by Jean-Claude Van Damme back from the grave with what is it like two films he's done now it, yes yeah, was it kickboxer vengeance and kickboxer retaliation and then obviously he's tried to tried to come back with ju- jiu jitsu which a lot of the a lot of the chatter i've seen online is people have a problem with this film because it doesn't actually involve any real jiu jitsu
3: Bit of a misleading title, funny that. <laughs> funny enough, Nicholas Cage is trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so it's odd that he didn't actually get a scene where he gets to utilize those moves. He's with a sword or going on about his favourite chair. It's a bit odd.
2: Well, what did you think of like Cage's fight scenes in this? Because for like all intents and purposes, from what I could see, a lot of the time. It was him. There's mostly some, obviously some mm. glaring moments where you're like, that is a man in a black wig who is clearly like of a slimmer frame and a slighter man than Nicolas Cage is. Like, but yeah, what did you think of this kind of like, obviously close-ups have got to be
3: him, mm. right? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, he uses he wears a lot of those wacky wigs Throughout his films, but I wouldn't be surprised if part of it in this film was so they could do better in put, putting in a stunt double to do a lot more of those action scenes. His um, action scene, I must admit, when it comes to the action scenes in this film, I think of of what Tony Jaa and Frank Grillo and Jujo, Juju Chan do a lot more than I do. What Nicolas Cage was mm-hmm. doing. I mean, I mean, I didn't really have any problem with his action scenes, but I do think, I do think there were maybe he's not as he's trained in jujitsu, but maybe he's not as much of a practicing mm-hmm. practicing artist as some of these other people because. I did feel I could notice a bit more of the working around to maybe make it easier on Cage. I mean, the guy's not exactly a spring chicken. I mean, what is he, 50, 60? Yeah,
2: yeah, he's 56, actually. Not bad,
3: actually.
2: (laughs) Well, Well, one of the things, like, I kind of had a problem with this film is the thing that is exciting a lot of the time with martial arts films, and I think... Kind of gold standard for me in the last like few years has been like that was the early Ip Man films, mm. like um is the kind of display of technical ability and kind of like the the kineticness and the just just seeing people and there's something thrilling about seeing people excelling at something if someone's really good at something, especially mm. like martial arts was like wow I could never do that. And it's like And this film kind of like underplays it by just chucking a load of slow-mo into the balance.
3: Yeah, I didn't get that. I mean you have these well, um let's be honest, you've got these these people in the main cast were probably cast for their not a knock on their acting, but they probably were cast because they're such talented martial artists. And it's really odd how their skills seem to be undermined of how You've got these action scenes and they're meant to get your heart rate and be like, yeah, this is what I came for. And then it's needlessly slow motion. And sometimes the camera work is a bit dizzying. And a couple of times it seems so darkly lit. It's like, what's the point in hiring these actors who are so proficient in this thing I want to see if you're just going to obscure their talents? It seems like such an odd decision.
2: Yeah, and it's like, well, one of the casting decisions I found quite funny is, They've got the Crab Man from My Name Is Earl. (laughs) I remember that. Supposed to be like the, I guess he's supposed to be the comic relief. Mm. Like he plays this interpreter who, like, and, and the thing is, like, I don't know, like, I went into this film, like, I guess, like yourself, wanting, like, reading that premise, seeing that trailer, wanting to enjoy it. And I think, like, the hurdles it falls down on is the fact that, the the money, like, could have been spent in other ways. And, like, instead of, instead of, like, worrying about these kind of, like, technical things being like, oh, let's do this, like, let's do half a scene where we've got it from a POV shot of a character whilst doing a fight. It's like, no, let's just do a couple of interesting, like, I don't know, just do a close-up and a wide and just let these people do what they do. It's like, I don't, I don't need, I don't need like this kind of gimmicky stuff of like, yeah, the POV and stuff like that. It's like, I just want to see people like fight basically. It's like sometimes that's, that's what you want from a film, especially like, especially a film like this, where it's like the title is a form of martial art. It's like, right. Well, let's just like, you've set the bar pretty low. It's like, this isn't going to be, like, plot heavy. This is going to be fighting. And it is that thing that, like, I don't think the fight's quite cut the mustard for me. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed.
3: Yeah, it's really odd how you've got these random moments where character's running away, and it looks like, the cameras are strapped to their chest and focusing on their faces in some weird angle. Or, like you said, the first person action scene, which looks like they wanted to ape that Hardcore Henry film from like four years back. And then it randomly cuts away to show what we want to see, an actual fight. And then, and then the camera jumps back into the main guy's crotch and goes back into first person VR. I mean, it feels like they wanted to jazz it up and make it a bit more stylish, but these decisions are just intrusive and it's not what we want. It's just distracting and making us think, why have you done that? Just give me what I want.
2: Well, yeah, there's a massively over-reliance on CGI as well. And it's like, it's not good CGI, is it? It's like kind of... Very like shonky, like I don't know. Like there's, there's moments of the the yeah, like for for all intents the guy the the alien is a guy in a rubber suit, and it's like mm-hmm. you y- you haven't got to be watching this film like with a magnifying glass to figure that out. It's like you can see the like the folds in the costume. You can kind of like I don't know, and and then you get these like. Like the, I, I wanted this to be gorier, like, do you know what I mean? I wanted this, like, kind mm. of unrelenting alien from a from a distant planet to, like, w- when it's, like, I'm done with people, I wanted to see people getting fucked up. I know that sounds, like, like, like morbid of me or whatever, but it's like, I, I wanted, like, some kind of, like, uh, lone... No, Lone Wolf and Baby Cub style like mm. hacking, like yeah some kind of Asian cinema like hacking of limbs off and stuff like that but then with some fucking like amazing martial arts fighting
3: Mm. See, it goes back to that comparison I made at the beginning which everyone seemed to make Mm. Predator meets Mortal Kombat and both of those things you've got Spines being ripped out. You've got people being flayed in the Arnie film. You've got the games doing such graphic things. And to then just... It's still rated a 15 here, but it feels so under... It feels like it's closer to a 12 or a PG. And, and it feels a bit... Uh, maybe that more graphic nature would have added to the this terror you're meant to feel for these characters to to make it feel like they're in that much danger that they really need to step it up and put their all into this fight but you've got yes this subpar predator who just keeps getting beaten and then the effects makes it look like he's re- rebuilding himself and and it's just that it's, oh we've it's just that it doesn't matter what you do, you're just gonna die anyway because the plot demands it.
2: Without going into spoilers, like mm. unless the plot demands something, it's it's gonna do what it needs to do. And it's like we get characters introduced at certain points and it's like, Well, it's a good like half hour to forty five minutes in. Who are you? Like your cannon fodder. And it's 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 like there's some very there's some very like bizarre choices, but Obviously, we've, we focused a lot on the like, the negatives of this. Mm. Um, what are the positives? Like, what, what, what are the things you enjoyed about this film?
3: Um, when I could make him out, I liked the action. And you know what? Nick Cage, I, I think he was entertaining as Wiley. He's essentially a long-haired Yoda who wields a sword and has a favourite chair. That's entertaining. And it's Cage. K- it's not cage like you said the light cage has turned up, and it's not like he hasn't shown up for the role. the lights are on, and somebody is home he's actually it feels like he's trying, even if his role is a bit shall we say plot dumpy
2: yeah, and there's there's like again no spoilers, but there's like a reveal mm-hmm. in this film um to one of the characters like because the central character his kind of whole arc is he's lost his memory and it's like let's fill in the gaps and it's like which they don't really do at the same time like it's quite baffling but yeah but like i think for me and i I may be biased but cage is one of the most like he's the one at least who gets to do like the most acting I mean he gets the most like Mm. he get like with a lot of scenery chewing, he gets to chew the most. Like he's he gets to deliver these like great like one liners like that have kind of like that litter the trailer. And I guess that's like the thing, isn't it? It's like if you've seen the trailer, you've seen a bulk of like Cage's performance in this film. And it's like I think you've like even like the the, the fight sequence yeah like the big fight mm. sequence he yeah, has like one of them the one he has with um Alan uh, Moosey mm. is in the trailer and then the one he has with the alien I think was released before the film as like I don't know, not sure who it was like with but do you know what I mean like mm. Den of Geek or someone like that was released as like a an exclusive clip and it's like Right, so we've got all the best lines that Cage delivers in the trailer. We've got one of his fight scenes in that and then an exclusive clip. We've got his other fight scene. It's like not that you've seen all of Cage, but you've seen a good you've seen like the kind of the the golden the golden bits of Cage throughout this film in those kind of in all the promo for it. And it's like it's a real shame. I like I personally think if they had if if they had given us a reason to care about any of these characters on their plight and it's like it is like as a fun throwaway premise, it's great. It's just a need to care a bit more about the people it's happening to.
3: That's it. exactly it. That's exactly it. It's I mean, the lead's a bit of a blank slate and the amnesia plot really seems like it exists just so we can discover something later on mm-hmm. and that doesn't seem like adequate enough reason to care for his plight so like you said we don't even really get to know the guy and frank grill it's not like that extends much better to the supporting cast i mean frank grillo is scowly juju chan is the girl is the love interest and Rick Yune is the gruff special ops guy. I mean, at least Nick... I wonder if, yeah, Nick Cage, they plastered him all over the marketing because he's the biggest name, but on some level, I wonder if they knew Nick Cage, if they knew how good they had it with Cage, so tried to kind of puff the film for audiences to like, show his good stuff to kind of sell the film a bit more than what they actually had.
2: Before we start to wrap
3: things up uh,
2: and, yeah, close this off, I, I wanted to read you out a, a couple of, um, like, reviews I found on IMDb about about mm-hmm. this film. So I've gone for a 10 out of 10 uh, review of this film, just, just so we get a nice, broad, like... For people at home who are thinking, like, "Oh, oh am I going to rent this? Am I going to, am I, am I going to swerve it?" You can, you can, you've heard our opinions. Now let's hear the opinions of the people. So <laughs> let's go in first of all with a. Let's go with a low score, just, uh, just to keep it in. I don't know, in in, in tone with what's kind of been said about the film. Is uh, yeah, a two star review from what the f. And if you if you if you if you, if you, if you want to follow this, uh, this, part, I'm not sure if you can follow people on IMDb, but it's uh, oh no, not what the f, who the f. Sorry, guys, uh, it's 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 the word who, the, and then double f. So, what the f, f-, f- um. And the review title is, No Jiu-Jitsu, No Acting, No Story. And the review reads as, Writer's Interpretation. Oh no, sorry, Writer's Inspiration. Quote marks there for you guys. Was Alien, Ninja Turtles, Mortal Kombat, Guyver. Do do you know what Guyver is here? I I thought it was maybe MacGyver.
3: It's um, anime thing. It's like a super suit kind of oh. thing. Probably me talking about the bad guy.
2: Perfect. Um. Yeah. Look, that that one. Over, I thought like maybe I was like oh, sorry, when I was watching. Like, there's nothing to do with MacGyver <laughs> in it. Uh, however, See, if
3: the heroes built a bomb out of tissues and earwax, maybe. But uh, that would have been a hell of a lot more interesting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> however. For some twisted reason, he decided to put them all into one movie. There is no storyline, no motivation for the character actions, no cinematography. The only beautiful shot was when two characters were walking across a field, shot from above. No acting, despite Cage's honorable attempts. I would give, I would forgive all of the above, if at least. There was real jiu As the name states, the movie is about the martial art. However, most of the fighting was regular Hollywood-style flashy fighting. Here and there, there were some jiu-jitsu-specific moves, and that's it. Please avoid wasting your time. What do you think of who the F's words there? Are they... Are they are they, are they, do they hit hit the nail on the head, or are they too hard? I think
3: I need to watch out for my job. <laughs> but No, I think they had they clearly didn't like the film. They like us. They note Cage's uh, attempts and attempts to put some goodwill into the film, and they seem to have a better knowledge of what actual jujitsu is than. Then I do, so I defer to their knowledge on
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, yeah. I know nothing about what constitutes like real jiu-jitsu, but that's like I don't know. That's not what I like. I guess there's arguments that the Karate Kid probably doesn't have like some real like do you know what I mean, there's really elements of it that aren't real karate, but it's still enjoyable. It's still a fun film. It's like. If 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 it kind of if any film gets some of the elements wrong, do you know what I mean? Of the of what it is portraying, then you forgive it. But like if it's like if it doesn't, then you're like, oh, or oh, that that that's that's something that's that's something I'm gonna throw at it as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're giving me a shit story, no character development. And you bloody didn't even get the fighting right, you bastards. Um, So for balance, let's go over to Moza Morris and his (laughs) 10 out of 10 review titled Haters Gonna Hate. I, for one, enjoyed this film. I don't know why people have to moan and rant about it. If you don't like the film after the first half hour or so, Watch something else? You get me? I love martial arts films. Can't wait for the next kickboxing and a possible Jiu-Jitsu sequel.
3: Well, everything I heard about jujitsu is they were planning to... This is meant to be the building block for a new franchise. And, I mean, the director even made this film out. First, he did it as a comic book. As a way to storyboard it, and that's probably why there's comic book interludes in the actual film. I mean, if it was just a simple case of don't like the film after first half hour, leave it alone and go watch something else, it'd save us all a lot of heartbreak. But I just can't leave a film alone. I've got to actually see it through. To because mm-hmm. you never know, the last half hour might save it. But <sighs> at least they enjoyed it. <laughs>
2: So, would you recommend people rent this film over the over the festive period if they're if they're at a loss if if the BBC and ITV aren't serving up what they want to watch over the Christmas period? Would you be like, you know what, spend your three pound fifty renting Jujitsu on Amazon or wherever you're going to rent it from? Uh, yeah, would you? Is 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 this a, is this a rent or is this a drop?
3: Um. Now, if you're in the mood for some entertaining action, maybe some some maybe just a good time with some martial, with some martial arts experts doing their greatest, then you know, there's always some great Bruce Lee or Jet Lee films you can check out. Um Jiu Jitsu I personally wouldn't recommend. I'd say there's always something else you can spend three pounds fifty on. Hell, oh, John Wick trilogy. Go for that. They got some great action, but I can't. I can't feasibly say spend your three pound fifty on this when there's better choices out there.
2: Like, this is a weird one because, like, as much as I've kind of pan the film, I would recommend it to people on the sole basis that it is Cage like, just for Cage's performance. And I know I'm sorry. I'm saying this as somebody who got sent the film for free to watch. So, like, I'm kind of a bias, but it's like, if this, like, I don't, would would I rent it? Well, I I would have to, like, I find it very hard sometimes to kind of recommend stuff to people, because it's like, would I, if I ask the question, would I rent this? It's like, well, I do a Nicolas Cage podcast, so I would have to, like, I already know, like, I am going to buy this on Blu-ray, but that is just because I have, like, an obsessive need that, like, not only do I have to watch every Nicolas Cage film, I have to own every Nicolas Cage film on the best format I can get it on. Oh, wow. So, (laughs) So, like my money is going to be spent on jiu-jitsu but yeah there is interesting stuff that cage does and like it's great for me it's great to see him fight like what like what in those moments like the cgi in this is bad like any kind of mm. gunshot hole and stuff like that is cgi any kind of like there's even moments where like people are fighting and like sometimes when someone's dusty there might be a like, mm. puff of dust off them that looks CGI, and it's like with all that, it's like so their budget didn't go on cgi CGIing Nicholas Cage's face on a stunt double. I know that for sure. So like the moments you kind of see him doing up, up close and personal stuff, it's like it possibly could have benefited from being a little faster. Do you know what I mean like a bit more mm. time spent on the training and the like, the choreography and like going over it a few more times, but. Cage is fun and exciting. And if this does start a franchise in any way, please, please take six years to mull this one over and maybe next time when you return back to Earth make sure that you've learnt from the mistakes from the past because there are a whole host of mistakes in this film. And it's like, I think it's the prime example of you can't just rely on like martial arts to get you through it. Like you have to have some feeling at the core of it as well. Or if you are going to rely on the martial arts, make like film them beautifully. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. show them off.
3: Yeah, if you're centering the film around that, you might as well do your best to make it look the best you possibly can. Yes. And you know what? I'll give the film this. As as far as Alien comes down to Earth... Unfortunately, Zoom
2: crapped out on us
3: at this moment, but
2: James said how Jiu-Jitsu is actually better than Shane Black's The Predator. Wow. There's, There's some strong words. Um... Yeah. Before I let you go, James, a little bonus question for you. And it it might be putting you on the spot a bit, but like of obviously we are, we are approaching a new year and uh, Mm. 2020 has obviously slowed down cage somewhat, but of the, of the projects that he's got slated for next year, which one are you looking forward to
3: the most? Uh, He does have a few projects, doesn't he? Um, It's tempting to say The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, that film where Nick Cage is playing himself and he asked to uh, perform for a Brazilian drug dealer. And Cage is a sinoliterate guy, so him going all meta, Mm -hmm. I don't think he'd take that without seeing something in the script. But as much as I say that, I'm going to go for Prisoners of the Ghostland instead because I haven't seen any of, I'm going to butcher this name, Sion Sono's work it's a blind spot for me but Cage described this as the wildest movie he's ever made and that's I'm too interested in that statement to not see how wild this is going to be I'm too interested to to not pick that I mean what what the fuck after all he's done (laughs) what the fuck can it be
2: well, the thing is that it's like that's recently got the real like mark of approval that it's just been announced as a film for sundance twenty twenty one so I guess it's got some level of credibility to it in that it's like i guess Sundance has that ability to be like, "Oh this is a film to be taken serious somewhat, and it's like I'm like that I think like i think I think I might join you on that kind of excitement for that one it's just like i've watched like a couple of uh seon sono films i recently watched tag which like uh it's on amazon prime in the uk at the moment and it's it's fucking wild and like uh seon sono's kind of like got a a takashi miike style like work ethic and that like in he's like just do you know what I mean they'll be like two, three? sometimes releases a year and stuff like that and i think i think he's done some stuff that's over on netflix as well like a kind of like netflix original series and a netflix original mm. film and yeah really interesting director and this is like his first english language film and that really fascinates me i think like when a director decides who's got like a career like they, it's that thing. Like, he doesn't need to come, he doesn't need to go to America to make a film. Like, obviously, Sion Sono has got this career where he's, he, 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 yeah, it looks like he's doing really well. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody's stopping and making films. It's like, for him to make that decision, not only am I going to make an English language film, but I want my lead to be Nicolas Cage. I'm like, Yes, please. And the cast as well. So not only have you got Cage in the lead, you've got um, Bill Mosley in that film, Nick Cassavetes, Sophia Batella and Ed Scrine. And it's like I like up and down that, like the, the idea of Nick Cassavetes and Nicolas Cage back on screen together since face-off really like oh sends a shiver up my spine it's like that's the kind of re-teaming i didn't know i wanted it's like for years everyone's gone like cage travolta re-teaming up and it's like well let's be uh, let's be honest travolta's probably passed it do you know what I mean like he's churning out the fanatic
3: like uh it's like got eat his passion project i mean jesus christ ex-
2: exactly like uh, and then, uh, but it's like, ah, oh, him and Nick. And I think, like, that's one of the stills that's kind of been released of the film is mm. him and Nick Cassavetti standing there, like, brandishing weapons, cage, head to toe in leather. And it's like, ah, oh, g- give me a slow s- slice of that, like, prison of, of Ghostland pie, please.
3: Oh, it's too fascinating to not, too tempting to not be interested in what's going to happen. I mean, it's. It is always very interesting when someone, a filmmaker of such renown in another country, comes to English uh, English-speaking territories. It's like when Park Chan-wook comes over and makes Stoker, or Bong Joon-ho makes Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to see what kind of talent they're going to assemble, what kind of what kind of story they want to tell for English-speaking audiences, and it's it'll probably end with science. So um, making more movies in his native language, as as director Bong and Park Chan-wook have done in the wake of their English-speaking films, but it's it's too fascinating, and it's probably going to be a good entry point for his filmmake film filmography for a lot of yeah. film fans. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's a plus as well.
2: Definitely, that's the sole reason I kind of started, like, as kind of started on this journey to to, mm. to watch his films. It's like he's directing a Nick Cage film. It's like, like, kind of like hit up a few friends of mine who are big on Asian cinema and been like, please give me like a kind of like must see see on solo films that I have to, like. Do you know what I mean, like, kind mm. of, and it, it, yeah, and it's it's the same as like um. Like, because he's got like such a wide uh, filmography. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it's it's not like a, a David Fincher. He can be like, let's start at the beginning. Watch, watch ten, eleven films and done. It's like, can somebody please give me the cliff notes? It's like a Takashi Miike where it's like, he's done over a hundred films. Can somebody like, let's get on Letterboxd Who's done a who's done a like? Do you know I mean he's he's done a top mm. rating of them? Let's pick the top ten and go through those, and then maybe watch some of the later, like some of the lower down entries. But like, I I, I, I can't do all of them. I'm sorry, Cian.
3: Um But if only there was enough time to do such a thing. I mean, exactly. Well,
2: yeah. As as time moves forward, we're kind of being like entertainment is being forced down our necks. Whether it's like disney announcing um like do you know i mean if if you (laughs) were if you were a character who was on screen for more than five seconds and you didn't get your own limited series then who the fuck are you or i don't know rebooting (laughs) three men and a baby or whatever it is like yeah it's all crazy so um Mm. where can people keep up to date with your views on films and um yeah keep up to date with you online, james
3: well, I'm mainly on Twitter and letterboxed at RoddersJ04, spelt with two Ds. I usually post film thoughts and pictures of my dog and all kinds on there. But I also write reviews at the reviewingrodders.co.uk where you can find plenty of reviews, articles, and i got links for any any times I write for another site or make podcast appearances. Actually, in the new year, I'm going to be guesting on on this podcast I've guessed on a couple of times, the double edged double bill, which is the basic premise is they have a theme every week and they random they watch a randomly selected good film and bad film relating to that theme. So in the past I did an Arnold Schwarzenegger episode and we double billed Total Recall with Junior, which was quite a mashup. And in the new year, I'm gonna be on there for a Nick Cage episode. And yeah, that's Amazing. quite relevant. I know the bad film's at least gonna be either primal or next. So it's up to the patrons what it's gonna be, but um I've never seen either, so let's see.
2: I, I have a big I have a big argument with that, is that primal is not a bad
3: film. Very <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> if it's that one, then it's a much easier week for me.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Well, James, thank you so much for coming to Rage with Cage with
3: me. Thank you for having me on. This was an absolute blast.
0: That's stamps.com. Code program. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copeland Connections, a Drip Town Limerie main, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com.
3: Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast
0: network, it's family.